Hi, everyone, and welcome to Training for Life Redeemed. I am your host, Dan, and I am joined by my father, David Jackson. Today, we are continuing to look at the book of Matthew. We are diving into Matthew chapter 2. And, Dad, of course, it flows on from last week when we're looking at chapter (laughs) 1. At the end of chapter 1, Mary was pregnant and Joseph took her in and she had a baby. And then chapter 2 starts with, you know, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. And we've skipped two years-ish because now we have wise men visiting and he's not in a stable where they visit. He's, you know, he's sitting on a <laughs> knee. He's running around in Bethlehem. He's not, yeah, they're not, they're not visiting a baby in a manger, which is no. <laughs> you know, like, like your lovely Christmas stories with you know, the, the, the shepherds. They, they get to the manger, but the yep. wise men, they're following a star and they have you know, probably a few, at least a few weeks to months travel from where they <laughs> where they live. With oh, see a star, we'll follow the star. We'll travel by camel <laughs> across Asia, and we'll uh, we'll come and find this child. They obviously go to Herod because that's where you would expect a king to be born. And we have a bit of a kerfuffle here that's going to happen, and you know secrets kept and trying to make sure the babies are kept alive because Herod has a reputation. What 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 is the importance of this for us? I for <laughs> this is almost comedy relief. Um, so, a magi is a Zoroastrian priest. So he's part of a uh, a monotheistic religion in Iran. What today is Iran or Persia, and there are still Zoroastrians. Uh, most of them have fled Iran and they're, they're in India. Um, when, I t- when I taught this at high school, we actually had a Zoroastrian family um, in the school. Oh, brilliant. Um, but a Zoroastrian priest, uh, these are the people who develop zodiac, uh, horoscopes, um, fortune-telling. They're, they've got a whole, a whole range of these sorts of skills. And as the Jew, as the Greeks went into Persia, they brought back this sort of stuff. And a lot of uh, there was there's a Jewish uh, magi that turns up um, in a Roman governor's house, being his fortune teller. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Ronald Reagan had a wife was you know dedicated to her fortune teller, um, horoscope reader. So that's the culture. So the Jews have rejected, are going to reject Jesus. On the throne is an Edomite. So the Herods are the descendants of Esau, uh, who wanted to kill Jacob because he stole their birthright. So this is comedy of errors, right? This is everything Satan could throw at destroying God's plan. So an Esau person is on the throne. Somebody who worships another god and follows a horoscope they um they come and worship Jesus and pay tribute to him, and the guy on the throne of Judea wants to kill him. Uh, and the safest place for him is Egypt, <laughs> which is where Moses brought the people out of in the first place. So you, you, you're setting the scene really quickly that Jesus came to die. <laughs> Old Testament connections that are not nice ones. <laughs> All over the place. And and this big theme that runs through the Old Testament of, you know, God, you've got, you contrast the, the unbelief of God's people 
who inherit the scriptures and all the stories and everything else, and it's the foreign alien god worshipper um, who has the better response. And sometimes he rejects his own prophets and goes and uses one of them. <laughs> so this is... It's also a foretaste of um, all those Old Testament prophecies that said the kings of the world are going to bring their wealth um, and pay their tribute. So, you know, your vassal king would bring his taxes once a year and he'd bow down and he'd kiss the king's foot and he'd hand him his birthday present, you know, the taxes from the whole company country, and that was his pledge of loyalty. And if he didn't turn up, <laughs> that was rebellion. So And God promises in the prophets that kings of the nations are going to come and stream into Jerusalem and worship God's king. Here they are. Uh, but Jesus is a toddler. Uh, so, yeah, he, they've got their own house and they're settled. And I think it's funny, actually, Joseph isn't home. We don't, no? tend, to, we don't tend to notice that. Like, these guys arrive. They've been travelling probably for months. Um, I mean, Persia's a long way away from Jerusalem and you've got to go north through the Euphrates River and down yeah, the yeah. coast. Yeah. So they finally arrive in this little village of a few hundred people um, and the experts tell us that there's probably only about 50 kids under two in the village uh, and they go around and check out where, you know, who's got a two-year-old, calculating it from their horoscope. And when they get there, they see the baby and his mother, no mention of Joseph. Yeah. So he's well, at work. and Already either at work or out of the scene somewhere. <laughs> well, I'd say he's probably at work because they had six more kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true, actually. <laughs> he I reckon he was, a while yet. <laughs> yeah, he was working hard. <laughs> so, Dad, the other thing that happens a lot, I mean, it happens a lot through Matthew generally, uh, but it's going to happen uh, quite a few times just here in Chapter 2 is this fulfilling of prophecy the whole way through. And it's just this brilliant intertwining of just, you know, like you mentioned, the Edomites going to fleeing to Egypt uh, and all that kind of stuff that's happening that's not even mentioned as fulfilling prophecy half of that. It's just it's a pattern. You know, these, these patterns that you're just like, oh, yeah, we've seen that before already in the story. This is what's likely to happen. Uh, but we also have lots of explicit, this was to fulfill the prophecy, this was to fulfill the prophecies. What's yep. Matthew's point? I mean, you said he was writing to Jews and that they want to make sure that he's the Messiah. But are all these prophecies even about the Messiah? Are some of them actually about Israel? And uh, yeah, I had a lovely lecturer once who talked a lot about Jesus being Israel for Israel, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the son of God is Israel is my son, my firstborn. Yeah. Yeah. So he brings his, his firstborn out of Egypt. Jesus runs away into Egypt. He's yeah. got to bring him back. <laughs> and you've got, you know, Jesus is virtually rewalking that Old Testament narrative. And when you fulfill something, you're actually, uh, this was the, uh, you think of the Old Testament as a blueprint. So, I mean, you've just built a house, nice wall behind you. Uh, <laughs> but if you go through, you've got blueprints for the geological survey. You've got blueprints for the, foundations, the electricals, the plumbing, uh, the, the framework. Um, you've got all these different blueprints of the intricacy of what goes into building a building. Uh, 
So what Matthew was doing is pulling the blueprints out going, okay, there's the plumbing diagram. Jesus did that. There's the electrical diagram. Jesus did that. And he's just pulling them out of the Old Testament sheet after sheet. There was the blueprint. Here's the reality. Uh, and if you don't have the blueprint, you don't really appreciate. Like I'm looking at a white wall behind you. Um, that doesn't tell me anything about what went into putting that thing up. No, you, you don't quite get the uh, three layers on the outside, then the, the studs, the electrical work that's below me. You can't quite see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot goes into bringing the saviour into the world. And Jews who've been reading their scriptures, are they've got the blueprint, but they have no idea. It's like having a jigsaw without the front picture. So you're going back and you're pulling out the those pieces that you knew from the Old Testament. Where do these fit in the big picture? Yeah. Okay, so Jesus is kind of following Israel's history. He's run away from Esau. And instead of going to the brother-in-law, he's going over to Egypt. <laughs> he's going to get called out of Egypt. He doesn't go back to Bethlehem. He goes back to Nazareth. Yeah. And he's raised in Nazareth, which is uh, it's up north. It's not near Jerusalem. Uh, so he's, uh, I don't know, safer there, I guess, in one sense. Uh, but also he's you know, going to be raised as a bit of a country boy out in the middle of nowhere because he's not even, Nazareth isn't like it's a big town. It's tiny. Yeah, like even today it's tiny, and it's a modern, like it's a modern city. It's tiny. Uh, it's just like Capernaum is going to be the major city, really, for him, and it's just down the road from him. But he's, yeah, probably, I'd say, roughly half a day's walk or so. Yeah, um, just just into the bush, really, uh, to where to where Nazareth is. Why, why is he there? It says it fulfills prophecy. There's no prophecy that says he's going to be called a Nazarene, but it says that we're fulfilling the prophets. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so you got you, you got to sort of know a little bit of the background history, which makes so much sense of this. So you remember Herod slaughters all the babies in Bethlehem. Uh, that's probably 20 kids. It's a very tiny village. Mm -hmm. But Bethlehem's a two-hour walk from Jerusalem. So when the Magi go down and they find the baby playing with his mum, Herod's two hours away waiting to find out which house to go to. And the angels tell them, you better not go back there, nick off, fellas. And then the angel goes to Joseph and Mary and says, get the heck out of there, people. And they leave that night. So if you remember the Exodus narrative, mm. you know, Pharaoh changes his mind in the middle of the night, go. And Joseph and Mary do, do a midnight dash because if by midnight Herod hasn't heard, he's just going to come down and do everybody. And he had a reputation. I mean, he killed his wife, uh, his children. Just before this, he, uh, just before he died, uh, he killed his son and heir. Um, when he died, he issued orders that all of his wife's family were to be slaughtered because they belonged to the dynasty that used to rule Judea. Um, and after he died... His son, who did eventually inherit the Tetrarchy, the quarter area, he went out and slaughtered all the people that slaughtered his, <laughs> you know, that's, that broke into his father's tomb and smashed the place up. <laughs> so, I mean, there's people getting killed left, right and centre associated with these Herods, and the Romans aren't impressed. Um, so he nicks off and he goes to 
the northern part of the kingdom where he's out of reach of the guy that's down here in Jerusalem hammering away. Uh, and he goes to an obscure little village because two kilometres down the road, they're building a Greek city called Sephorus, and that's where all the builders are going. This is a huge construction site. So he skedaddles around Judea and ends up up there. He's got plenty of work. He can set up his new home, and it's where they came from in the first place. So, you know, we've gone back to somewhere where the work is. But I, I think that last verse in Chapter 3 is a screamer. There is no prophecy that says the Messiah will be in Nazarene. Now, some preachers will look at that and go, oh, well, he was a Nazarite. Well, he wasn't. Okay? So Nazir is different from Nazare. Uh, and a Nazir doesn't drink wine, and Jesus did. In fact, you know, a couple of weeks after he started, a few days after he started his ministry, he made 700 bottles of wine. <laughs> um, so he's not a Nazarite. A Nazarene, uh, if you remember uh, when Nathaniel was invited to be, come and meet Jesus, he made a comment, you know, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Mm. Um, I mean, Nathaniel was a real snob. <laughs> which you can't really afford to do when you come from Cana, which is just as small and two <laughs> blocks down the ridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort well, of like that foot- might be why, because it's two blocks yeah. down the ridge. It's just like, yeah, oh, well, it's, that's it, a you know, little town like mine, but we, you know. Yeah. Sort of Liverpool versus Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> but the difference is um, this is an obscure little town way up in the, in the sticks, and the prophets do say that God chooses the insignificant he chooses the nobodies. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you know, he doesn't take David's elder brother and the good-looking people. He rejects Saul, who's tall and good-looking. He goes for the little wimpy runt of the litter, David. And he, he just keeps doing this. So if you look at the pattern in the prophets, Jesus is going to be called a Nazarene, which at the time would be the equivalent of saying he's going to be a bogan, a hick from the sticks, a Wally, a Cyril, a Darrow, he's a nobody. Yeah. Um, and I think that's beautiful because it challenges it challenges a lot of church culture, <laughs> you know, because we tend to think um, church leadership and church godliness and everything else, uh, we want to be up there with the respectable people, um, you know, we want, want the Oxford D Phil, we want all yeah. yeah, I mean, who doesn't Jesus want Oxford? nobody. I want an Oxford defil. What the heck? Uh, but the point is, it the action is where the nobodies are. Um, you know, in in Sydney's area, you're talking about Western Sydney. You're talking about Western New South Wales. Um, you know, this is like saying the prophet said Jesus had come from Broken Hill. Uh, it's wonderful. You know, he's a Mount Druitt boy. Um, that gives me good news uh, because that's where God's focus is. He's on the people who are on the fringe, um, on the edge, and he's going to pull the Messiah out of nowhere, so to speak, um, even though you've had plenty of warning about who he is and where he's coming from. Uh, so all your respectability, all your pride goes out the window when you come to deal with this fella. This is God's king. And he has come out of nowhere, as it were. He's one of the fringe people. 
and, and I love that. Well, that, that brings us to the end of episode 60. If you are listening and you would like to grab the study notes to go along with this episode, head over to trainingforliferedeem.com slash 60. You can grab the study notes there. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review for us and we would love it as well if you hit the subscribe button and come back and join us next week as we look at Matthew chapter 3.